Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining us on localjobnetwork.com radio. I'm Tim Muma, and this is I Want to Be A, where in each episode we complete that phrase with a particular job or field of work, and we speak to an experienced professional to give you the inside scoop. Now, with millions of fans and billions of dollars worth of revenue, the National Football League is clearly a supreme attraction, number one sport in the United States. And while players and coaches do get most of the headlines, those officiating the games play a huge role as well. So in this episode, I want to be an NFL referee. As for the average person, this may actually be your best route to get onto the NFL stage. On the phone with us today is Bill Carollo, a former NFL referee who officiated games for 20 years at the pro level, and he's now the Big Ten Conference Coordinator of Officials as well. Bill, thanks for coming on the show with us. Yeah, thanks, Jim. Uh, Before we get into maybe some of the specifics, uh, and I touched on it just momentarily there, could you fill us in a little bit on your professional career and what you've been doing? Well, I mean, I think most people... Uh, you get your recognition from being on the field, whether you're uh, working your way up uh, through the ranks. Uh, but also, it may surprise a lot of people that I held a regular business job uh, my entire career, I'm working for IBM for 30 years, as well as for Manpower for five years here in Milwaukee. Uh, so uh, you have to have the right balance in your life between uh, your, your professional job uh, and as you go up the ladder in officiating, once you get to the NFL level, uh, it is a really a full-time job, but we only play basically one one game per week. So, right. you know, from you you start at the lowest level and you work your way up, uh, and at the same time, in your early years, your first fifteen or twenty years, you really can't afford to have just an officiating job. Okay. So you have to have another <laughs> another occupation. Right. Right. And we'll definitely touch on that in a little bit. Uh, I guess my first thought with getting into officiating is what was it that attracted you to it? I mean, is it something you always had an interest in doing? Because I tell you, a lot of people say, why would you want to subject yourself to that kind of scrutiny and pressure and and people yelling at you? Even at those younger levels, you know, people are going to be on your case. Um, what really drew you to this type of profession? Well, a couple of things. Uh, one, I was very interested in playing sports and competing uh, at the highest level as I could. And as I went up through the ranks from, you know, grade school, let's, you know, multiple sports to high school uh, and to college, it gets tougher as you go up the ladder. And once I finished college, playing college football, I realized, you know, my first passion, Tim, was to be, uh, uh, you know, replace Bart Starr as a quarterback. <laughs> oh, of <with> course. <laughs> and of course, if you saw me, and this is probably good for its radio versus television, <laughs> you know, I sat at, you know, six foot and 185 pounds, and I wasn't big enough or strong enough or couldn't throw the ball quick enough to the sideline or, or up the field. So I wasn't good enough to play in the pros. So that was my first love and my passion to become a player. Um, but I thought, you know, why don't I try to coach, get try my hand in coaching or officiating? Someone has to coach. Someone has to officiate. Mm-hmm. Why shouldn't it be some guy from Milwaukee, Wisconsin? And why couldn't I do that? So I set my goals pretty high, but quietly, and uh, and worked hard uh, to work my way up. But it wasn't. I always wanted to be a ref. My, there was no officiating in my family, no history. Right. Although I had a terrific grade school coach. His name was Gene Burse. He was an All-American at Marquette University as a basketball player, and he went on to the NBA, and it also went on to the NBA to play basketball. And Gene got me started uh, as I was a grade school basketball player interested in officiating. And then when I got a little further, uh, another local official who was as good as anybody in the country, his name was Pancho Palesi out of Milwaukee. Sure. He was, he was refing my games uh, when I was in college at UW-Milwaukee. And he said, you should try officiating after I finished playing uh, football. And I said, oh man, I, 
I'm going to get a business job and I have no interest in <laughs> officiating, but I got hooked on it. It's like golf or anything else. I tried it and literally tried it at the lowest level because they didn't say, do you want to come in and work college? No, they said, you should go work, you know, the grammar school games, right. um, Pop Warner games. And you literally start at the very bottom, $3, $5 a game and uh, work two or three games on a Saturday or Sunday uh, morning. And you hope that you get enough experience to move up to that next level. And it's a very slow climb. It takes about 20 years, Tim, to get wow. to the NFL on the average. You know, before you work your first game ever, you've got to officiate about 20 years. That's the average. So I kind of worked really hard, quietly behind the scenes. But like, as I said, the Pancho Palestis of the world, Gene Burses of the world, they took an interest in me. They said, you should try this. They said that they think they I had some ability, and they they challenged me to see if I could do what they did, and that's really what motivated me to get into the business. Well, I think it's fascinating for our listeners to hear really the the path that has to be taken and and the challenges, of course. And we'll talk a little bit about um, being in the NFL and what you see as the the greatest challenges. Can you walk us through what a typical game day might be like? Uh, how you're preparing or your thoughts and feelings heading into that game? I think people really. Would love to get an understanding as best they can. I mean, unless you're on the field, I'm sure you'll never really truly understand what's going on. But uh, what is that game day like for for an official in the NFL? Well, it, it, the game day is really exciting, almost like a fan, like a player or a coach who's involved. But quite frankly, the game day isn't you know three hours of a you know a thirty-five to forty-hour work week, you know, crammed into one day for three hours on Sunday. Uh, it really, all the work takes place during the week. So although technically I said I had a, another full-time job, uh, the NFL job is really a full-time job. Mm. And when I when we look at anywhere from 30 to 35 hours a week for football, that all that work takes place during the week. You know, it's looking at film, taking written tests, having conference calls, uh, breaking down film from uh, for the next week's game, et cetera, et cetera. So there's a lot of things going on during the week, feedback with the league office. But when we get to the site, we have to be at the site 24 hours. So, oh, so the wow. clock really starts, you know, it's not like you just unpack your bag and get out of your car and go work the game. Right. <laughs> you, have to, you have to be on the game site minimum 24 hours before the game. Okay. Once you leave your house, let's say on a Thursday, Friday, or Saturday, you know, going to your game, you know, you're on company time, company business. Uh, so there's, you know, there, there's no entertaining at night. There's no um, drinking. There's um, <laughs> you, you're you're focused. You know, you can't you can't. Uh, and we get tested for all that for you know alcohol or anything. <laughs> I think fans would appreciate hearing that that you're not drinking and uh, not a little inebriated during the the game. Although sometimes I think they accuse you guys of it, but. Well, yeah, they'll, they'll say that, but, you know, just think about if you're having dinner on a Saturday night and you have even some friends or your your spouse or at the table and they're having a glass of wine, you know, someone will come by and say, they're the refs, and you know what, we, maybe we missed a call the next day and say, I saw them out drinking. Right. So we have a very strict rule. Sure. You know, once you leave your house and you're on your way to a game, you know, uh, there's no alcohol. Uh, there's, and there's other strict rules as far as being out and, and where you can go and so on, just like for the players, et cetera. Mm -hmm. But when we get to the site, then all that work we did during the week, we review it as, as a crew. And the crew is seven officials on the field. And then your replay team, which is assigned to your group, and you work from four to six hours on Saturday. So when you step out in the field and they go 
uh, we, we used to go about two and a half to three hours before the game actually kicked off. Mm-hmm. There were other things we do there at the game site as far as preparation and testing some equipment and checking everything out, making sure the field's done properly and so on. So there is a lot of hours built in behind the scenes. So right. that's a great job. You make X number of dollars and it's for three hours and it's only once a week you work. <laughs> wow, where do I apply for that? Yeah. Well, uh, you know, like I said, 20, I think it's 22 years of, of experience before you get to the NFL. That's working at the lowest levels all the way up. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's 25 to 35 to maybe sometimes 40 hours a week in preparation you know, for the game. And then you go out there and then you find out that at the very most, half the people might like you. <laughs> right. the game. If you're you know? lucky. And many times, many times everyone is, is, is not happy because of certain calls. It looks a lot easier than it is. And I'm not saying that's impossible because we do it. Uh, and, and, and it is possible, but to be the best you can be, there's never been a perfect game, but you certainly can strive to be excellent. And, and that's really what we try to do. We're humans. We, uh, in the NFL, we average 3.4 mistakes per game. Mm-hmm. My college guys at the best level, at the highest level, my college officials in the NFL, uh, excuse me, in the Big Ten, we make about five, five and a half mistakes per game. So uh, why do you do it? To see how tough you are. See if you can still do it. Can you compete with the best athletes um, under the greatest pressure, under the biggest stage? And as you said, the NFL is the most popular sport in America. And can you do it? It look everyone wants to be on there until you've got to make the decision. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's a lot more difficult than people think. So, do you get to actually enjoy the games, or are you just so focused that, that I mean, there's so much to take in that you obviously are are worried about doing your job well? Can you actually enjoy it? I mean, you could be on the stage at the Super Bowl, but you can't really be a fan. How does that all work? How do your feelings play and interact with each other there? Well, I think because you work so hard in per, in your preparation, and not just for that game or that week or that season, but your whole career, and you shoot. And, and you aim toward a certain goal. So if you're in college, you want to work the BCS championship game or mm-hmm. maybe a Rose Bowl, et cetera. Uh, in the NFL, it's a championship. It's the playoffs. It's the, a championship game or, or the ultimate, the pinnacle of all officiating uh, is probably the Super Bowl. It's one game. It's not best of seven, et cetera, et cetera. So you, you set your goals, uh, you set your standards uh, and you hope you achieve them. Will you do it every single year? Probably not. Not even the best players can dominate their entire career. But when you get to that game, and it's the game that you wanted, or the game that you didn't want, but you have to, you're, you're assigned to officiate it, it's the same thing. You have the same attitude. It's almost, you're in cruise control. Uh, it's a habit. You go out there, and no matter if it's for the two last place teams or for the two top teams, you've, you get graded the same way, Tim. So it's important that you're consistent throughout your career and, and you're making your calls. It's not like, well, this game is not important. It's important to the players. It's, it's important to the coaches, to the owners in the NFL, to the uh, coaches or athletic directors in college. So when you get on that field, you may think it looks great, but you're so focused on doing your job well that you really don't enjoy it like a fan and appreciate all the great moves because you're so, you're looking at, maybe two or three players on every play sure. and you, you, you don't TV gives you the ability to go back and look at all the, anything that's interesting. TV does a great job providing you a replay. Yeah. I'm live on the field. You only see it one time at real speed and real speed, meaning NFL speed is very, very fast right. compared to college. 
you know, and college is faster than high school, et cetera. So you only have one shot at it. Uh, and of course, if you do have replay, certain plays get reviewed and we could correct some of those errors that we make. But if there's an adrenaline, adrenaline rush, um, you get pumped up for those games. But when you're done, mentally you're exhausted. Hmm. You know, the, the, the NFL flies to first class. Uh, you get back, you sit into a big seat, relax. You don't take, you know, you, you don't take any snacks or, or drinks or anything after the game. You sit and you just, you, you kind of review the game in your head and you're exhausted after the game, physically and mentally exhausted. So do you really appreciate it? Uh, not like a fan, right. not like you'd see uh, sitting at home, but you, you appreciate it as much as a fan that, that their team won because you know if you did a good job or a bad job. You know if you missed one or two calls. And there were a couple calls you want to go look at on the video. Right. And they give us, right when you walk out of the locker room, they give you a DVD or a oh, really? drive. Okay. And you've got the whole, you got the whole game, everything. You get on the airplane. You may be sitting in first class, but you, you know what? You're doing work again. You're looking up those three or four plays that might be controversial, that the league may call you, might get some criticism in the paper or something sure. like that. And uh, so you're looking, you're always checking to make sure that you're right. Like I said, you're not going to be perfect. No one's perfect. Players fumble the ball, coaches make mistakes, and so do the officials. Fair enough, and I, I you know, of course, I, I think you guys do an excellent job. And as you as you pointed out, the the lack of mistakes that really occur when you consider all that's going on, especially at those highest levels, um, it is very impressive. And and I think people sometimes need to take a step back at what they're seeing. And we understand there's emotion involved. I'm a huge fan as well, so uh, we get it. Do you have a favorite game that you officiated for one reason or another that really stands out, or you just you kind of relish that one, or you maybe in your in your free time you kind of look back and be like, you know, that was that was just a really an enjoyable game. I really love that experience. Well, I think at every level you have certain games you might remember as you come up, and it could be you know your first state tournament refereeing basketball. But at the time it was a big deal, right? Or maybe your first bowl game in college. Uh, you know, I worked the Rose Bowl. That was a really big deal, Michigan State against USC. I was pretty young uh, at the Rose Bowl. I wasn't good enough to play there, but I, you know, in in a short order, you know, within a few years, within ten years of playing, you know, I'm at the Rose Bowl officiating the game. You know, so I, some of those are memorable. When I look at the NFL, I've worked two Super Bowls and eight championships and and Pro Bowls and uh, in my twenty years, but. There's probably, you know, there's always a game or two or a few plays that kind of sets you apart. And I think the one game in, in the NFL, it was a championship game in, in the late 90s. It was between New England and Indianapolis. It was the year that Peyton Manning won the Super Bowl. Okay. And, and I had like the same game multiple times in playoffs. And, and Brady and that bunch from New England always had the better, uh, the upper hand and the better team. Right. But this time, Peyton Manning had a great comeback in the second half. He was down, I think, 21 to three. Uh, but it was two, you know, all pro Hall of Fame quarterbacks, Manning and Brady, fighting it out back and forth. Uh, great comeback, second half by Manning, and they won the game. And I told the guys, I said, you probably will never officiate a better game as far as intensity, as far as uh, clutch uh, uh, calls that the crew made, uh, big plays that the players made. And when I look back at that, and I worked another 10 years after that, and you know what? It probably was the highlight. It was probably bigger. That championship game is tougher than a Super Bowl. Sure. Super Bowl, you have two champions. They're happy to be there. Right, right. Championship, someone's walking away a loser. Yeah. You know, uh, you know they're fighting for the AFC championship. 
Um, really great battles at the NFL level. Championship game is, is, is for me the best. And it's probably, it's held the highest as far as memories and good, uh, good feelings and so on. Now, I don't get me wrong. I've had other championship games where we worked a good game and then afterwards and John Madden would question a call. <laughs> Birdie Man- a few years before, uh, the one I was referring to, Bertie Manuel made a catch and, and I reversed the call. Oh, yeah. To replay. Yeah. And I was officiating that contest, and it led to 200 uh, calls to the house. I'm unlisted. <laughs> oh, man. Unlisted number. I, we, uh, there were death threats. So wow. 16 people got arrested, and the NFL got involved. The FBI tapped my phone to trace these calls, et cetera. The kids had to get pulled out of school. So Jeez. Why, would you, why would you do that? You're so proud of these championship games, and you made the right call. Now, the next year, they and it was primarily because John Madden said, I'm not sure why Carollo is going to even look at this play. It looks like a catch to me. Mm-hmm. And, of course, I looked at it. We ruled catch in the field. I came back with about a minute and 48 left in the game, and, and I looked at it, and I said, that ball hit the ground. And by rule, it's going to be incomplete. It was like a trap in baseball. Right. The ball touched right. half in the glove, half in the ground. You trapped it. And that's what we had there, a trap. He used the ground to help him. So then we changed the rules. Now it can touch the ground, but you can't lose control. So right. uh, long story short, we got the call right. I got 200 phone calls my home we had to pull the kids out of school uh you know people got arrested for death threats and you said why would you do that is it worth it (laughs) you know but you know we do it because we love it we have a passion for it and it's really a tough job it it, is for me it's the hardest thing i ever did you know and i've got four kids i try to play golf i have business jobs it's the most challenging thing I've ever tried to do. On the flip side then, and you talk about, I mean, obviously it's unfortunate that people would go to those extremes and, and making those calls and death threats, clearly crossing a line there. Do you have any other games in mind that maybe you wish you could have had back or there was something controversial about it that, I don't want to say you wanted to run and hide, but it's sort of that that dark side that people again, would question, like, why do you want to do this? You're just under so much scrutiny. Uh, any games that stand out on that side of the ledger? Oh, I mean, I think that every game that I've worked, I mean, you may walk off and say that was our best performance. But you know what? As I said earlier, it's not perfect. There are things that you could do better. I've made my share, average share of in, in the NFL, college, my, my share of mistakes. You know, you look at it and say, oh, man, that's not a holding call. That's a very ticky-tack roughing the passer call Mm -hmm. Uh, that announcement i just totally botched that up it's monday night football (laughs) and i don't and i said defense when it was offense when i said this it was that you know i go oh man yeah do i want to go hide after when i make mistakes blunders like that absolutely especially if you're a head referee tim right you know when you wear the when you wear the white hat you've got to make sure you got six other people on the same page with you and then they have to understand they have to have football iq they have to understand this better be really big. If you're going to throw a flag for holding and take away a touchdown, it better jump out at you. You've got to make it be there. Hmm. You know, and, and, and if you say, well, he just grabbed, you, you went too fast, you got excited, whatever reason, you, you, you made a mistake. You've got to look at the, the whole scenario, not get so focused on this. Look at the bigger picture. You know, who, who do you want to decide the game, the players or the officials? Now, sometimes if the guy, if the player does something, you know, wrong, You've got to throw the flag. You've got to make. You've got to step in right. and and take and, and make that decision. That's what we pay it for. But we want to make sure that we let the players play. Not that we stay away and don't call anything. But we want to make sure by then you're officiating your very very best 
you know, and when we say consistency, we want it to be the same from September to December. Right. When you get into the playoffs, but you just have to make sure that, you know, and, and usually when the, when you get into the playoffs, there's probably less fouls because there's the players, the talent, the teams are better hmm. than they were when all 32 were there. You know, so you, you adjust your game a little bit as far as officiating. It becomes a little bit easier when you have two teams like New England and Indianapolis 10 years ago. It's, there's a lot of pressure. It's everything's on the line and it, it's not necessarily fun for those three hours, <laughs> but it's not impossible to work because they're all doing good things. You know, they, they're, they're playing within the rules. They, because they know one mistake in a big game would, could cost them sure. the Super Bowl, the right to go to the Super Bowl. Now, you've brought up you know Brady and Manning, and uh, of course you have different interactions with players and coaches throughout your career. Do you have any favorites or least favorites in terms of players or coaches that you've uh, been able to work with and interact with? My focus is, was always on the quarterback. That was my main right. person that you watched. So I got to know the quarterbacks. I mean, if, I mean whether it was... You know, Joe Montana or Brett Favre or Troy Aikman or um, Dan Marino from Miami. I'm all the way through my career, really good quarterbacks. And you get to you get to know them and they trust you because you're, you're the one that's calling roughing the passer. Right. They, they, they become your friend, which is kind of nice <laughs> uh, because they know that, that I'm the guy watching their backside, you know, for pass fumbles, for late hits, high hits, targeting shots to the helmet, et cetera. So, we're we're pretty close with them, and quarterbacks running the team, and we're kind of running the officiating side of it as well as as well as the game. So, so there's a lot of really great players, personalities, and of course, there's a few that that I would bang for um, 15 yards for roughing the passer uh, more often than not uh, in my in a 20 year <laughs> career, and they they weren't as close to me. And, and one name, uh, Warren Sapp, comes to mind. I probably had more penalties on Warren. And I had him in the Super Bowl, uh-huh. and I had to, you know, tell him that he better settle down, otherwise he won't be playing in the Super Bowl, and and so on. But the, their emotions run high, just like you know, kids run high. You know, I mean, they get excited, and even <laughs> though they're grown, they're grown men. But that comes to the territory, Tim. Yeah, you know. So does everyone want to be a, an official, a referee? Uh, they might think that they can do it, but if you ever went out to the local sandlot for umpiring or a soccer game and said, you know, the, the umpire didn't show up, go volunteer, do it one time, and, and be an umpire at first base, or be a soccer official on the sideline, and you'll find out it's a lot harder, even at the lowest level, mm-hmm. because there you have parents, and they only see their game in their child's eyes. But I, I would encourage your, your, your listeners that actually, if you're interested, you should go try it, and, you should, uh, and there's ways to get started at the lowest levels, and I have a lot of people. And almost a daily call me. How do I get started? I, I watched your guys work the Big Ten championship games. I want to be a referee. Mm-hmm. I watched the NFL guys work these. I want to, how do I get in? And of course, it takes a lot of patience. You have to be good at it and you have to keep improving. So you have to have the ability to do it and the toughness. Then you have to have the, the, the ability to keep improving. You just can't be good because the players get better, they get faster. There's more uh, visibility. There's more TV coverage. There's more scrutiny on the performance of the officials. Um, and then, of course, we look for in officials when we hire them and bring them in. Are they the right character? Do they have the integrity? Do they have the right chemistry to fit in? The game is not about the officials. The game is about the players. Even so, it's not even about the coaches. It's about the players. Right. So, do they have the right chemistry to fit into a game and not try to take over the game and, and make the game themselves? So there's a lot of things that go into it, 
And then you just have to you know, keep working your way up in each level. Well, Bill, it definitely has been a pleasure being able to talk with you. We are going to have to wrap things up here on this edition of I Want to Be A and our look, again, the ins and outs of being an NFL referee. But as Bill has talked about, just an official at any level. And um, hopefully if people are interested, they take that chance and they might be able to work their way up just as Bill talked about. Uh, it's definitely a grind, but if you love it, it sounds like uh, you can you can make a good career out of it as Bill has as well. Bill, again, thanks for coming on. We appreciate you sharing your experience with us today and uh, giving our listeners a, a little hope maybe that they could be one day on that stage stage as well. Great, Tim. Thanks a lot. I appreciate the opportunity. Once again, that was Bill Carollo, former NFL referee, and he's also currently the coordinator of officials for the Big Ten Conference. Of course, we'd also like to connect with you, the listeners. If you have any comments or questions regarding any of our podcasts, just email us at ljnradio at localjobnetwork.com. Once again, I'm Tim Muma. We'll talk to you later.